Welcome to HR Unpacked, a podcast about HR workplace issues, where we analyze and then discuss the latest developments in HR and employment law that impact both employers and employees. Each episode, we unpack the latest legislation and regulations to provide practical guidance on how to tackle the HR issues that are affecting the world of work. Welcome, Kate. Yeah, good afternoon, Jonathan. Good afternoon, Jed. Um, Pleasure to be back um, for our series of podcasts. So, yeah, we're going to be looking today at value-based leadership. um, And we're really delighted to welcome Mr. Jed Mason, who's the CEO of the Marson Group, which is Britain's leading manpower services company. So the Marson Group specialises in supplying skilled white-collar staff, engineers, quantity surveyors, professional services, IT, to name but a few, to the aerospace, defence, nuclear, rail, oil, gas and construction sectors with an annual turnover of 900 million plus, which is clearly very impressive. Um, so Marson's clients include BAE, BAE Systems, excuse me, Airbus, Network Rail, Transport for London and the British Nuclear Group. So welcome, Jed. Obviously, You've built up a fantastic business there with some really prestigious clients. So today's about really getting into your experiences and talking about the subject matter in hand, value-based leadership. So welcome. Good morning. Yeah, thank you, Katie. Thank you, Jonathan. Nice to join you. Thanks, Jed. So so we're going to just contextualise what value-based leadership is before we go into, into your own kind of leadership style, um, Jed. So value-based leadership is where leaders draw on both their own core values and um, their negotiated and divine values of work. So it's their own kind of ethos, which they drive into the culture of the organisation, which we're going to find more about from Jed today. But according to Harvard Business School, the five key areas of value-based leadership are self-reflection, balance, humility, authenticity, and continuous improvement. And we're going to have a a discussion today around those five areas and around Jed's um, cultural impact upon Mawson's. Cheers, Jonathan. So, yeah, as as the CEO of Mawson International, you know, clearly we'd love to get into discussions around your own leadership style, Jed, and and really how you've successfully grown a company that employs over 1,300 people got more than 50 offices so you're big um which is 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 clearly great particularly in the the world we're in now so it'd be fantastic to hear first and foremost I suppose you know when you got into this business what 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 was your leadership style how has that changed evolved what would you define it as now um a bit about you really Jed yeah crikey it seems uh, a while back since I started when I was a young sprog as they say coming into the it was a family business, so in all fairness, I had a foundations there of a business, so very northwest based. And having grown it uh, on that journey, you do get the grey matter to uh, make sure you've learned a lot on the way through and make sure you don't make the same mistakes. But you now we're going back in. You asked the question on the early stages of leadership. I guess you know you're young and you're enthusiastic to want to make an impression. So you know you're self confident. Um, you. Probably patience is probably one of the things I probably suffered with a little bit. You know, you want to get to A to B quite quickly. And if you are surrounding yourselves with, you know, inheriting into the business directors who have been in the business for longer than I, then then obviously, you know, it was clipping your wings to really not try and take on the world and make changes. And I guess that's the hardest thing when you're starting a business and young and you think you can take the world on. It's that self-confidence, really, that drives that so i guess you know that was the early stages um 
I came from an era where, you know, styles were a bit more um, autocratic, you know, definitely a bit more um, uh, of that of that style was around, and you do pick up on those traits. But as you go through your career um, and you grow in a business and you surround yourself, well, I've always wanted to surround myself with better people than I, then, you know, you have to empower, you have to change your leadership styles, and, that you know, clearly that's important. Um, proven in you know most good leaders have that have that ability to move with the times and you have to yeah and when when did you join the business jed uh 1986 so yeah, right. it's, a, it's a full shift and i'm still serving my apprenticeship uh, <laughs> i'm gonna tell you i was five in 1986 oh, but, um, <laughs> I, was. Oh. I think Jonathan, you were about that age as well weren't you in 1986 I was 10 in 1986. You were 10, right right i'm yeah, the spring yeah. chicken here but um so <laughs> I, I think one thing for me is being a leader myself in in peninsula you know i've got a team of 280 here a much smaller team than you've got but but being a business i think the last two and a half three years have led to a whole change in leadership styles. Do, 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 have you seen that, Jed? Have, have you seen a need to adapt the way you're approaching things or, or not, as the case may be? For sure there's been a change. You know, I don't think you can – what works yesterday will be, you know, fit for the future and um, managing people in particular. You know, the COVID brought one thing. It was the time that people had a little bit more on the social side – to assess, you know, they weren't necessarily diving around the country, travelling, entertaining clients, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So there was, whilst there was, um, I believe, a lot more home time for family time, and that, yeah. that then allowed people to reflect on their own wants and wishes and desires for their future. So um, definitely had to change as a business. We were full time, uh, flexible working is now very much on our agenda and uh, working well for us. So, you know, that was a big adjustment. Most organisations, uh, I think, have come back and offered some sort of hybrid of work from home. But I do feel, you know, there's a balance for sure. And it's creating that balance, for us, particularly for the young generation coming through who, you know, mm. are, are like sponges and want to learn and keen to see how, how the different approaches in the work environment occur. So, yeah, there's different challenges then in terms of then home working. How do you... You know, you trust people to work at the same productivity levels where they can, and therefore, you know, how do you ensure that, that, that those are kept? And I think trusting people to do that is, 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 if you have your KPIs and you have your ability to manage and uh, address those issues, then you have to put trust in people. So, yeah, there's different management styles and heading towards, uh, what, 60, so... I, I now class myself as the older generation, whereas I, I, I never, never are didn't really feel that much, but uh, certainly looking back, it's how you manage the youngsters in the business, which are great to have around. They give you that enthusiasm and listening to their ideas is really important. You know, I think that's coaching becomes more important than yeah. sort of thinking you can do it your way and listening and uh, all the basics really are so important as you, as you progress. Jack, can I just ask about the, the, the when you joined the business, did you find that you were kind of targeted a little bit because you were the son of the owner? And then at what kind of stage did things start to change where people did start to think, okay, yes, he is ingrained to the company. He is the leader of the organization. How did you feel when you first started? And then when did it start to kind of change a little bit? Because that does yeah. happen when you know someone starts and then people start not to respect, but just kind of accept and then are familiar with that person. Then Yeah, I think you moved early days. It was that self 
self-awareness uh, of what input and Im impact am I going to make, you know, and therefore you need to earn your stripes. Um, so, yeah, there was that nervousness around that and could I lace my father's boots and um, certainly I think grows with confidence when, you know, you just apply work ethics around wanting to succeed and make an impression. For me, what changed was when I was told there was a customer, it was ICI as it happened at the time, um, that we were no longer able to supply to them for, for whatever reason. And, uh, you know, one of the directors didn't encourage me to, to pursue it. Anyway, I, I did. And we ended up, it was ended up a managed vendor service contract for us six years later. And, I, you know, I really worked hard to make sure. So when you have a conversion, you feel like you've earned your stripes, you're then a peacock and you can stand up against you. But yeah, it's always, I guess uh, there's a lot of people who've been in family businesses and they know it's always a bit harder, the focus and attention and the spotlights on you. But no, I, 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 I you know, I, I knew what I wanted to do and I wanted to take what I had, what my father has set up and his co-directors have got a really good uh, sounding board. So I was very lucky in that respect. Um, it was just, I just took it for another dimension with the, with the team that I brought on board as well. So, well, I mean, I, I, I work for a, a Northwest based um, entrepreneur as well, Peter Doan, who, who you who you know, Jed, um, and we've got a really defined and what I love about this place is a really defined and great culture going on. Um, I imagine yours is quite similar, but but what is the culture like in your organisation? How you know how do you feel working for Marsons Group? What's it What's it like? Yeah, well, similar to Peter um, Peninsula, what a fantastic story that is, and uh, you know both being from Salford and actually I knew Peter when I was a young lad and he, he was starting in business and I hadn't, I was still studying. So uh, for us both to be friends to this day is great. But um, yeah, our core values, funny enough, um, what COVID did allow us to do was to realign the core values. I don't think they can ever stand still. And you, as your business grows, it gets harder for that cultural thing. So it's been vitally important to me that the values that my father's installed are, are kept and carried and that's his legacy. And, um, that said, though, you have to uh, move with the times. And, you know, we've got a new HR, uh, Katie Wynn Stanley came on board. And, you know, what was really refreshing is I gave her freedom, free reign to sort of relook at everything we did from branding. It was a great opportunity to reflect. And she came up with the, you know, the team and the employees decided to sort of collectively reshape those brand names and words, you know, old fashioned words like integrity and all. You know, now it's. The buzzwords, which I'm really enthused by, is curious, courageous, caring is the, probably the important one, and collaborative. So we've got we've got four C's in our uh, core values. The nice thing for me is that you know well, I've been very lucky in life, and a lot of our employees have along the journey, and therefore we like to sprinkle dust where we can, and it's about helping others along the journey and along the way, as many organisations do. And, and I think in our game, our recruitment industry is very proactive in that arena which is great, the more we can do. So I think today, the modern-day world of people coming for a job, um, they're as much interviewing the co the company than they are being interviewed themselves about what, what are your alignment to core values. So for me, it's always been important. Um, we continue to do great stuff and sponsoring university people and students who can't afford it, the various charities. You know, uh, when it was 50 years, we did 50 weeks of giving, so I think we play our part, and um, candidate attraction is, is is really important to us. ESG and CSR formulate that. So you know if you can demonstrate you're into that and looking after the uh, the world we live in, 
planet and your carbon footprint. You do things. I think that's it's an attractive uh, way of attracting staff, and you have to because it's competitive out there, as you well know. Yeah, I think that that point. I'll hand over back to you in a moment, Jonathan. But that point about a candidate interviewing you as much as you're interviewing them, that's absolutely key. And I'll never forget getting a bit of a ticking off from one of our recruitment managers. A candidate walked in and and I formed a judgment quite early on and I cut the interview down and, and they said to me, you don't ever do that again because you are perpetuating our brand, you're demonstrating what we're about as a business, they're interviewing you, they'll go on social. And it is really key that you, you're selling yourself as a business, aren't you, at interview uh, stage? Absolutely, and never judge book, book by the cover was, you know, that was one of my lessons as well. I think you did, and that was the way you operate, your human nature. And again, you see yourself changing how the first impressions walking through the door, I'll be honest, you know, when someone walked through my door in the early stage of my career, full of tattoos it took me it set me back a little bit now i would I'd see far through that because actually i've met so many people with magnificent tattoos that i quite admire the work of art that uh, it's what's inside it's what comes out of the mouth it's it's about the you know how they interact and everything and that so yes uh, you're right never judge a book by the cover yeah very true we've talked thanks kate we've talked about the past so let's look to the future yeah. then jed what are you kind of future or current and future enterprises at the moment in terms of what you're trying to recruit people for and the skills that you're looking for as well? Yeah, in, in the job world, it's, it's a changing world. And the, the, they reckon by 2035 that 50% of the of the job titles have not been invented yet. So we are in a move of fast-paced moving, especially in the tech technology space. And we're seeing in engineering, a lot of engineering skills are moving into tech as well. So hence, we've, as an organization, been acquiring and developing organically into engineering and tech and becoming a STEM uh, supplier, uh, supporting the org- such organizations as you already mentioned. So uh, that's that's important. Yeah, that is, it's, it's, it's moving tech. You know, in the gaming world, there was a fascinating discussion about this morning about gaming and where that's going to and the size of market and yet. Yeah, Probably ten years ago, that was it. Wasn't even, you know, apart from playing in your house and home, privately, individually, it's extended beyond belief, really. So, yeah, it's never, never, ch- never, ever changing. We're in good space, you know. Government spend infrastructure into nuclear defence programmes, which, whilst not everyone's not into defence and what it stands for, it, it, it does represent and, and uh, you know, it allows countries to protect themselves, be a deterrent rather than a, an aggravator. So. Um, Yes, it's uh, it's a changing world. We got some headwinds, as we all know, but um, we're you know we we think we were in a good space and a good spot to help customers finding at the end of the day the most important asset to any organisation is people. That's what we do. It's our full time job, and um, we're supporting many good organisations to to engineer the future. And and how are you future proofing your own business, Jed? Um, well, I. I sort of addressed uh, succession planning so um, very much looking to the future of what are the, what is the next generation and the good thing is I don't have to bang the table in terms of core values it comes naturally um, so you know a lot of a lot of people last year alone it's a typical year we had 24 10-year service awards we had 18 20 years and we had three 30 years awards that's quite typical and what happens if you keep your staff, I know a lot of people aren't uh, into long careers now and they like to move around, but if you can, if you're of the size of an organisation, you can have as much job moves 
feels like you've left the business in, in, in one place. And um, they become the ambassadors. They 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 really uh, install into you know, the new gen the, the the core values that they live off. So it's about keeping that going as much as anything for me. When we've acquired companies, part of the DD is fundamental is the core values. How aligned are they to our business? Because to buy a business without similar core values, you're on the hide to nothing on day one. You know they might be the most profitable business in the world, uh, and you might have the best people who are very profitable to you but if they're not aligned to your core values it's you know you've got to you know, it's, it's, it's important to, to, to us and organizations to stick to them uh, for me in terms of your senior leadership team then jad because we we want to provide practical advice through this podcast how have you how have you developed your senior leadership team then have you de- have you done a mixture of developing internal staff and headhunted or have you just headhunted? What's your been approach to developing your senior leadership team? I think most our highest percentage of individuals who are directors within the organisation have come homegrown. Um, we have obviously right. brought in as well to, to supplement, like a football team does. But um, it's been homegrown for us, and uh, it, internally there again, some of the advancements now in our training in-house uh, leadership courses we've run. Um, you know, we're really pleased how that's progressing and important. And then linking coaching, budding, and uh, is 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 the legacy I want to leave is sort of certainly helping others, inspire, and to, basically to inspire others to perform and take on and become the next entrepreneurial spirit in the business. So it's vital you do do that. And as I say, I've seen many organisations head on out at the top end uh, and neglect sometimes the, the individuals internally who have you know given support can step up and we've encouraged that and I, and I guess it's the way forward really so yes got a fantastic team around me um yeah and, and it's great to see their spirit and uh, their enthusiasm uh, and making decisions leave them to make decisions you know that uh, I do sometimes come down heavy on them sometimes but, talk, but it's, it's the uh, it's a bit of tough love as well as needed in the world you know it's not all it's not all about pats on the back and everything's high-fiving you in every business you know I've seen that a lot you know you have to have a bit of tough love and I've still got some of those old-fashioned values that I think they know the spirit it's meant I think when you do criticize someone and people do find it hard to you, you know I always say listen it's a moment in time here's my feedback this is how I'm disappointed but move on you know, when father and I shared an office for 14 years, if we had a disagreement, one of us would get up, go and go around the car park or make a coffee, come back, and the, the deal was, agreement was, whatever we were speaking about and disagreeing with was forgotten, buried, and move on. And I think it's important in business leadership that you're not frightened of pussyfooting around. You've got to be firm sometimes. You're the leader. And I have to say some of those, make those tough decisions and make them tough calls and make those tough words because... You know, life isn't about being rosy all the time through your glasses. So there's a balance, isn't there? And I think I'd like to think um, when I'm long gone that they would say I was fair. Can, can I ask, obviously, employee engagement and retention of your staff for service consistency is absolutely key. What do you and your team do to have fun? You know, what, what, what social stuff do you do as a team? Well, I think we're well known for that. <laughs> it's work hard play hard and that's the thing isn't it you know that that, especially in our industry you know it's uh you know it does consume your time and many of my team have made which are so grateful family sacrifices and all that so we'd have to have you have to have fun i always say if you don't enjoy it don't come to work with a smile you're in the wrong job yeah so i mean one of the things we did as well through covid just before covid we 
in our headquarters on our roof terrace, we have a bar. Um, not that we're alcoholics, by the way, but uh, it's a social bar. Instead of people going out from the office, they've got the opportunity to celebrate um, whatever birthdays, etc. target hitting um, in their own environment, their own bar, and directors are not allowed unless they're invited by an employee. So oh, reverse, the, uh, reverse the authoritarian way of working there. Uh, on a Friday, I have to put my hand up and start waving to people on the tennis to see if I get an invite. And sometimes they do, sometimes they don't. I was going to say, have you ever not been invited, Jed? Are you always on the on the list? I don't think I have been not invited. I think they've they pulled my leg a few times saying, "No, not tonight, Jed." <laughs> and then I, and then they see the look on my face and then they feel sorry for me. And can I ask one other question? I mean, look. I, all of us on here, I'm sure we've got demanding jobs, but yours must be on another scale than the, the jobs that Jonathan and I have got. You know, how, how do you how do you deal with that pressure and carry on being resilient and getting through the day and growing your growing your business? What what gets you up in the morning to do that every day? Because that must take some some drive and passion. That Jed, it does. I think twofold. I think you've. I think first and foremost, I don't want to be known. I never wanted to be known as the son who ruined his father's business. So that that isn't a monetary right. thing. It's a, that's might be my motivator to a make him proud and make make my own family proud. So that's the driver. Second driver is I enjoy every minute I do. So coming into to work, you know. Uh, people say I'm whistling quite a lot, and uh, used to be an old-fashioned view. If you were whistling, you were you were, you were working hard enough. So, <laughs> so I, I enjoy work, and you've got to have that. And then uh, you know you, you balance your life, don't you? I've got a great supportive family and friends and around me, and I've got a great yeah. team here with me and who look after me and make my life easy. Um, so my PAs as well, and the, 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 you know what, what they do, and my FD and COOs. Uh, just I've got a remarkable team and I'm so so able to perform at the best because I feel that support's there and yeah it's difficult we've got offices now in Australia and Canada very similar to Peninsula similar, yeah, yeah. US. Yeah, a lot of similarities as you talk yeah. Jed so, so I know how Peter goes on on time zones um, so yeah no it's, it's it's about having the picking your right team and my view is always pick better people than yourself how important has Salford been to the business, Jed? Because obviously your family and yourself are from Salford and the head office is in, is in Salford. How important, and you, you're linked with charities in Salford, you're linked with University of Salford, with the makerspace as well. How important has it to retain that link to the city of Salford? Absolutely vitally important to, to, to me with my roots. Um, yeah, it's, uh, it's proud to be a Salfordian, a schooled here, Went to college here. Um, my father set up the office coming back from uh, America when Martin Luther King got assassinated. My mum decided it was time to come back. We'd gone as a, we'd emigrated as young, so coming back to Salford is where Mawson started in '69. Um, so to, uh, again, as sprinkler the dust, help um, less fortunate. That's that's very much on the agenda to the, what we do in our you know the local communities, not just in Salford, but where our brand shop op network is and. Um, yeah, it's, uh, it's it's got great. I mean, who'd have thought we'd have had uh, BBC in Salford? You know, when I was a kid, knocking around the docks, and uh, Peter was in, uh, swimming in the canal there. But what we've got, you know, it's a magnificent uh, accolade to. And, and you know, in fairness, John Whittaker has been a, a driving force behind this. And um, 
as Adamson was building the Manchester Canal from Liverpool to Manchester to put something like that. I think John Whitaker's equally been a, one of them pioneering, visionary uh, individuals who I respect and look up to for what he's achieved in the area and promoting Salford as well. So, yeah, no, it's, uh, it's a great place, great people. I mean, the work ethic and the, the humour about, about Salford and the great people that have come there. I'm very friendly, as you, as you know, with um, Harold Riley, who's, who's an inspiration, the, art, you know, the artist who's uh, painted Mandela, Kings, the Pope. Uh, actually did a portrait for my father before he passed, so that was a nice thing he did. So, yeah, no, Salford's there. Uh, Salford's there. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and you've got some brilliant stuff, Jonathan. I was just going to say, as you're talking about artwork, you've got some brilliant things behind you on your wall there, Jed. What do, what, what are that, those, those type of things representing? Oh, it's in my life, really. I've got the classic cars. What's that? Um, that was Mawson. I was notorious for getting Mawson caps on Manchester United players and that was the premiership, <laughs> the first premiership. So some, uh, and then some awards when they floated, we floated on the stock market, father and I and Kevin Paul. Uh, I guess my 50th birthday and some of the horses that I have shared very very fortunate to be friends with Sir Alex Ferguson and I learned a lot off him being good yeah. of that, you know, in his leadership styles and how he used to open, do- you know, walking down corridors, Alex would open doors for whoever's walking. That's little things like that are subtle. Yeah. He, really? all his, his, he made sure all his back, uh, all his players knew the back office staff by name and drilled it into it because they're as important in the cog as the player on the pitch. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then of course the great man himself, my, my father, um, True inspiration to me. Uh, I can hear his voices sometimes, yeah. So, yeah, my outlook to, you know, rugby is passion, United's a passion, Sail Sharks, and uh, of course, my horses, where I've had some, and Alex and I, and John Hales and Paul Barber, we've we won the Irish Gold Cup, a lot of grade ones, yeah. King George's was a spectacular one. Two King Georges. As a lead, as a leader, Jed, how important was was it to have that kind of whether you, whether you call it respite or not, but that distraction away away from your core business? Because leaders have mentioned that about having distractions to get away from the pressure. Yeah, I think it's important, but, but not to have the distraction where it takes your time away from your core. So I've always been a firm believer in sticking to your knitting and making sure you're present because the moment people think you're not here or you. Uh, more interested in something else. I think it does have an, uh, an effect on, on, on people around you. And it's not while well, uh, the cat's away mice play, it's more just about respect so that, you know, you focus. So I've always focused, Mawson's always made the most important, the, the peripheral recharging of the battery, which what leaders need to do, otherwise you have burnout, your temperament, your, you become negative. You need to recharge your battery uh, always. And those have been great outlets for me and the people I've met along the way. And with Peter Owen as well at Peninsula, we have horses as well, and Ron Wood and Sir Alex. It's been a great, you know, that, that's been my, uh, having lost my father, I think surround yourself with your own little private club of people you can trust and bounce off. I think as a leader, you need that as well. Not, you know, externally from your internal business, uh, it's, it's just healthy. So I've been fortunate to be helped. My chairman, Kevin Philbin, has been fantastic with me over 30 years. Well, look, for me, I sit here and listen to what you're saying. I think you're kind of a, a living example, an embodiment, Jed, of, of value-based leadership because you clearly rule and lead with a strong moral compass and I think that really is to be respected because you don't see that a great deal you know I'm very lucky to work for Peter I think sitting here sounds so similar to the way you you are and the way we operate as businesses I think 
it sounds like Mawson's group would be a great company to work for from sitting listening to everything you've said today. So so thank you for that. It's, it's really great to hear. Well, thank you. Thanks for your time. And, uh, yeah, thanks for listening to me. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, I've enjoyed every minute and uh, some fantastic businesses here in the Northwest. So good luck to everyone, all your, all your uh, listeners. Thanks, Jed, and wish you all the best for the future thank as you. well. You can listen to this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and other platforms. Just search for HR Unpacked. Want to ask a question on a future episode of HR Unpacked? Click on the link in the episode notes to ask us your questions, as well as download the free episode guide. HR Unpacked is sponsored by Peninsula, providers of professional services to small businesses across the UK. Their services go beyond employment law and HR to cover health and safety management, insurance, employee well-being, and much more besides. The Peninsula service is always provided by a hand-picked team of experts, so you can be sure you're getting the best, all of which means more peace of mind for you and more time for you to concentrate on what you do best, growing your business. Established and headquartered right here in Manchester, they now provide services to small businesses in Ireland, Australia, New Zealand and Canada, meaning that more people than ever are protected by Peninsula.